You know they want staring point, you know we straight to the point Boy Chris with assist, fast breaks like a joint splitting half Boy J with the J, we throwing heat, no gas, that's a touchdown pass You know just how we coming, so it's nothing left to say Now they hardly can guard me like Dirk fade away You know just how we coming, so it's nothing left to say Yeah, you know just how we coming, so it's nothing left to say They want staring point, you know we straight to the point They want staring point, you know we straight to the point They want staring point, you know we straight to the point They want staring point, you know we straight to the straight to the point 76, bringing us into episode number 143 of Straight to the Point My name is Chris here with my guy, J-Dub. What's good, what's good, what's good, man? What's up? And as we, we transition through the NBA playoffs, a lot to talk about. Some people's finals pick is uh, on the ropes. I ain't going to say no names, everybody. But their finals pick in the East is not looking too good. Mine's uh, is. Uh, Jared's is. Mine's is still alive. I, I can't believe it, but they're still alive. Oh, yeah, you know. Um, We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, all the playoff series, Denver, Phoenix, Lakers, Golden State, Miami, Knicks. But you know what we all here for. You know what we here. We want to talk about Jarrett. Talk to me after five games of Philly, Boston. The Sixers are up 3-2 after five. And this game five win was pretty much – start to finish a wire-to-wire victory for the Sixers. Talk to me about what this this game means, you know, how they played in game five, and what you're looking for the rest of the series. Do you think, do they, do you know, do they get it done in six? They better. Are we, are we looking at the win in Sixers? We we need to win in six. I don't think they have a, I mean, I think we would win in seven, but we have to win in six. Like, this is your best shot. You finally broke your five-year curse. It might be six, actually. I'm never winning a game five because we haven't in about – I think since the process started, we haven't won a game five. Bannon and B lost in five. Then we lost to the Raptors in six. We lost game five of that series, like 103 to 88, after being up versus them 3-2. So they beat us at our crib or something like that. We then go the following year, lost in five to the Celtics again. No, no, not lost in five. Swept by the Celtics in the bubble. Last year went to the two years ago, the Wizards lost to them game five, beat them in five, which is crazy. So do no, do we lose them in five or do we just beat them in f- we beat them in what? Who are we talking? Who are we talking? Who are we that Wizard series. Did we lose to them in game five and then we beat them or then? No, they. Because I know lost. I know we beat them four one. They lost the game. Three. We lost game three. Yeah. So, so we didn't have to go to game first, five. That's this is the first time. This is the first time the Sixers have won a game five tied two two in a very long time. It's in been a, a minute. very long time. I guess it's disgusting. But then again, this is the first time I actually think we have a shot of actually making it to the conference finals since the Raptors. So kudos to the team. Big shout out to a lot of people who are gonna say you're crazy, but I don't think it's that crazy. Big shout out to PJ Tucker. The team looks visibly different this playoffs than they did in the previous playoffs, Ben Simmons included, Jimmy Butler included. I'm not saying when we had Ben and Jimmy, we weren't a very good team. It's just the hustle is a little bit more finite. This series, this playoffs, and I'm not even just talking about from a P.J. Tucker standpoint where this guy is still giving us two and a half to three offensive rebounds a game, six rebounds in total himself. It's from the other guys as well. 
just in the last the game, not just game five, but in game four. Tobias Harris, a plus 14 on the court. He only had seven points, but he had almost, I think, eight to nine rebounds, four of which came from the offensive end of the floor. That's something we've never seen from Tobias Harris. We just don't see that from him. He never was the guy to really do that. Like He would try and get it off the rebound, but he was never throwing his butt. I saw him and Maxie just throwing their bodies, caution to the wind, and we'll get these offensive rebounds. And that's the P.J. Tucker effect. This is a guy that if they're seeing this guy do the dirty work, they're having bad nights, he's telling them, yo, go do some stuff as well. Like, don't just stand around. Don't try and trail a fast break. It's not worth it. I think the mindset that I've started to see that culminates from P.J. Tucker's play is he's like, I don't have to worry about a fast break transition layup. If we're all crashing the glass, because now they got to try and stop us from getting offensive rebounds. So that stops them from getting a fast break. Right. And you have to also talk about the coaching aspect in this series. Like Dot looks good. Dot looks very good, but I'm wondering Ah, uh, very, very, very questionable. He no, he he's he's looked very good. good. He's looked very, very good. Because the 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 idea to stick with house when it didn't look good and to see that dividend play off the way it did with his versatility on the perimeter, now you're not more so having Niang, who's a you know, who's a turnstile oh, on defense. I, 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 or that, I like that. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Or, or I'll, getting, I'll give you that. The one game, he was very good last night. He was very he good was. last night. I'm not saying that – he, and I don't think this is a situation where you may not see him fall out of rotation because look at Jaden McDaniels. Like, I think he can still play him too. Mike McDaniels – if McDaniels was hitting the open shots that he got – It'd be a different it, series. It would, be a, it would be different because I think they would – I think they would just rely on him as opposed to now playing house. Now – Melton has had some issues around the room finishing. Tobias, I've always talked about how he's not an aggressive finisher. Like a lot of his layups that should, you know, a lot of his layups should be dunks to me. You know what I'm saying? I know. So I think this is a situation where this team is starting to hit that corner. And I always talk about will this team turn the corner? Will this team get over the hump? Will this team look like an actual serious organization? And if only for one night, and if only for one game in this situation in game five in Boston, they took the aggression to Boston. They didn't yep. wait for Boston to set the tone. They didn't wait for Boston to set the pace. They didn't wait for Boston to hit them first. Like they went out there and hit Boston in the mouth. And this is a team. This is the team that I've been waiting for. This is the team that Sixers fans have been waiting for. Now, will we be having a different conversation in 48 hours during game six? Who knows? But if you would ask, if you would really hold the gun to my head and ask me, would I would you know, would you think the Sixers would be up three two after five? I'd have said no. Like I'd be, I can be completely honest with you. I'd have said no. So you have two chances to get one win. My biggest fear is that if they don't come out with the same aggression, they come out flat. They come out like they get in game three. They came out like they did in parts of game four, where it was just like. You know, Boston's on this run and they can't stop it and they can't stop the flood and they can't do anything. Will the crowd turn on them? And the answer is yes, by the way. The crowd will turn on them. But if they lose game six and they have to go back to Boston for a game seven, I'm not saying I think this is going to happen. I don't hope it happens, but let's be real. Let's be real here. Let's be real. Until this is done, this is still the Sixers we're talking about here. So now. If there's a situation where they're in a game seven in Boston, yes, they've proven they can win in Boston. They've already won twice this series in Boston. 
but do you really want to put yourself in that game seven? Do you yeah. really want to deal no. with that pressure? Do you really want to go back to Boston? The answer is no. I think the Sixers need to do everything they can to win this game tomorrow night in Philadelphia. This It's not even just they need to do everything. Right now, you, you have to go with the realism of this series, right? Whatever issue Jalen Brown's having, he's having. It's not just a – oh, he's having very good first quarters or first halves and he's trickling out. No, they're kind of phasing him out. Not because of the fact that it's the, the, the team's not trying to give him the ball. It's just that he's just not being aggressive enough. And we've seen it where the last game he was uber aggressive. It just didn't work out because he shot too great from the free throw line. Tatum's had two bad games. I'm talking like they've been horrendously bad. I know he's still dropping 35 and 30 points, but if the mid-range game isn't really flowing, his efficiency's down, yeah, he'll get to the free throw line. Yeah, he's going to get his layups or a couple threes, but – it's now becoming a point where he he had to go so much ISO, let me get this bucket. It hindered them a little bit now because of the fact that it made it so much easier for the Sixers to guard the Celtics because now he's doing his one-on-ones and trying to just basically hold the ball and just give it to him and Brown and run their two-man game, which is works for us. Where do I see the issues lie? I think Doc made a fantastic decision playing Daniel House. I didn't, even, I didn't expect it at all. I think every Sixers fan watching it was like, what are you doing? You guys, so I mean, Niang, I, I finally, I, I understood the Niang thing because I, I think I talked about it so many times in nauseam going into the playoffs, going into the season. You can only play Niang, but so much. If he's not hitting his threes, you got to sit him because he's a freaking weak league on the defense. Cool. House was not somebody I expected to play. I, I'm be for real. He looked gassed out after three straight layups that he could, but he, he was playing very good basketball for us. He was a spark plug that we needed. He was a driving force at the PJ on the defensive end. He was huge. Again, I saw lapses in Doc's judgment on the, on the, you know, when you have a big lead, we blow those big leads. Just going into the last two minutes of the fourth quarter, you're up, what, 22, Chris? I saw that deficit turn to 10 because Peyton Pritchard decided to well, come that, in. That and was, well, that was late in the fourth quarter. So when Pritchard came, it, was like, it was like with three minutes left in the fourth. I, yeah, I understand. But I, thought, I thought, again, Missoula. I thought Missoula was going to start the starters when they were down nine. Here, but here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. The Sixers, and specifically Doc Rivers, were very smart with when they need to take a timeout and kill the momentum, they did. No, he's, he's getting better at it. Doc, and I don't know if it's him and the change of philosophy. I don't know if it's because the team is playing better. You know who it is. It's his assistant coach. I can't. I'm listen, because, because Doc takes the blame for everything, I have to give him the praise. Like It's not fair if I just blame him for everything. I don't blame that for anything. I think maybe, he made a great Maybe he deserves it or not, but he's 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 been noticeably quicker on the trigger when it comes to timeouts. That's yes. been a, that's been an issue in Boston. You know, Joe Missoula going back and forth with people talking about maybe I need you know I should have took a timeout. I didn't need a timeout. His his uh, rationale at the end of the game where he wanted to have the timeouts just in case, but he didn't use it. Um. That's a young coach decision. That, I, I don't know if it's a young coach decision. More so, it's more confidence in his team. Missoula showed me that's I, that's a young coaching decision to do it not once but twice in that game four. I'm, we witnessed yeah, but, Chris but Marcus Smart take both of those shots. But here's the thing, right? Marcus Smart had an open an open three to send the game to to potentially win the game. He missed, and a open three at the end of the game that if he had it a half second earlier. Would have won game four, right? And so, that's cool. I, I'm, I'm not mad. Really I'm not mad at the smart shots. But, but I don't. I'm, but if you're Missoula, your team got two open shots. 
and you didn't need to call a timeout. You didn't let the Sixers set their defense up. You didn't let the six, Sixers make a sub. You didn't let the Sixers get their more, you know, their better elite defenders in the game. So that I understand. I understand the rationale on that because if you're being honest, if you're Joe Missoula, yo, you got Tatum, you got Brown, you got Smart, and you got Horford. And you got, you know, whoever the fifth guy is, Brogdon, White, whomever. It was uh, White, you, I think. Whatever. You can, you can trust that one of those guys can make a shot. They're professionals. Yeah, I get it. I put that. I put the problem on, especially that overtime shot that Smart got late. I put that blame on Tatum. Take the shot. You're the guy. Take the shot. Even and I get give, it. Give it to what's his name? Or, no, no, no. Or be or be more or be more decisive on you know on a decision because if they don't know what to do, if they're frantic and they're panicking, and we've seen this multiple times in the series that Boston. When it comes down to the end of the game, can't execute. They cannot execute. They've shown it in game one. They they pretty much won. I mean, in game three, they won. In game four, they couldn't execute down the stretch, even though they got back into the game um, when they were down. They were down, you know, big 15-point deficit, came up, up by five, and they ended up losing that game in overtime. Yeah, They couldn't hold on to that lead, and then, this game in Game Five, they couldn't execute down. They couldn't execute at all. So if you think that Boston is going to roll over in Game Six, you tripping. Like they're going to come out and they're going. No, they going to come out. They going to come out swinging, and the Sixers can't come out and act like they've won already. Like they can't no. be taking a victory lap. Like this is the not maxi the maxi we got last night is the maxi we need. The maxi, tonight. the maxi, the Tobias double double, the PJ timely shots. The the Joe LMB, the James I mean, Harden. I, I wish you could say the James Harden from last night, but he, he was relatively good. He wasn't great. He I mean you didn't need him to be great. He was Which efficient. Is cool. He took eight shots. He almost had a triple double. He didn't have to do all that. His legs should be fresh. He should be able to come in the game. This is the game where he's ready to go. Narratives change for but James Harden. James Harden has already good. won you two games in this series. The two <laughs> games where he played well out of his mind, the Sixers won those games. The Sixers need James Harden to be not a negative. The yes. problem with the Sixers on in these playoff runs is they've had a negative at the point guard position on offense. They've had a negative at the point guard position on offense. Mm-hmm. And when this team has no one running the floor, running putting people in position where they need to be, the team stands around and looks lost and looks dumb and looks lethargic. But if we're making decisions with intensity, making decisions with, you know, intention, they can win and they can beat. I said the best team left in this playoffs was Boston. If the Sixers can do play this way versus Boston, they can beat anybody. They can beat anybody left. I don't think there's a team that can really beat them in the East after. I know the. No, no, no. Whatever. I'm not worried about the East. I'm talking about the rest of the league. There's not. Know, a team. We, we about to discuss it, but I, I, there is not a team. If the if hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I can I can see it now. This is words uttered moments before disaster. But listen, if the Sixers were to beat Boston in this series, whether it's six, whether it's seven, I think they can beat whomever comes out of New York and Miami, and I think they can beat whoever comes out the West. Hmm. And selfishly, I hope it's the Lakers. Is it because, selfishly because of the storyline of the rematch between Sixers, no, and Lakers, and the one? No, 
because I think of the teams in the West, that's the least, that's the path of, the path of least resistance for the Sixers. I think the Sixers match up <clears throat> way more favorably with the Lakers than they do anybody else in the West. So selfishly, I would hope it's Sixers Lakers, but whomever it is, even if it's Sixers Phoenix, Sixers Denver, Sixers Golden State, I think yeah. the Sixers got it. Golden State's done. So you either got yourself the Lakers or the Nuggets, Chris. That's who's looking like, unfortunately. And either or, I got the Sixers. I do like the Sixers. I mean, again, it's, we. I think we've talked enough about them to know that we're. I, Chris has now brought himself in. He's here. He's he's with the team now. Before he was like. Oh, I'm not ready to ride the team's wave. No, no. It's Sixers, it's Sixers and Six in my eyes. I've tweeted it out. I've said it enough. I don't know what more I can say about this team to say that they just have to now play the same way they've been playing, where it's just like there's going to be lapses. There's always going to be mismanagement of certain things. Shots are going to not fall. But as long as they continue to play as a cohesive unit, they can potentially win the game. The real kryptonite for this team going into game six won't be themselves. It might not even be Boston. There's a there's a referee who's sitting out tonight who will be refing tomorrow. We don't, it's still undecided what game he will be refing tomorrow. It'll be between us or I believe the Denver Nuggets and Phoenix game. But Sky Foster will be officiating tomorrow. He will be the head crew chief ref. Let me and oh Lord. Let me let me it's just, hurt us. Let me just say this now. If Chris Paul is back and healthy and playing the next game. We know who's. We know where Scott Foster going. We know he's Scott. going to Phoenix. But he if he's not, he's coming to ruin James Harden tonight because he clearly has a bone to pick every game with Chris Paul, James Harden, and LeBron James. Those are his three favorite guys to pick apart. He does it beautifully every time. So we'll see how it goes. I'm really knocking on wood that he doesn't ref our game because what we saw in the previous games without him not refing, Harden's going to the free throw line. And B goes to the free throw line. You know who else goes to the free throw line that we don't always see going to the free throw line? Tyrese Max, he goes to the free throw line. So it's just it, these things tend to happen when you have referees that, you know, aren't above the age of 85. It, it just it just happens. So I don't know, Chris. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see Scott Foster in Phoenix. You know, just ruin Nate. Just just do what he does for Chris Paul, ruin it. Listen, they, they lose. I, I need sixers and six. Okay. I can't take a game seven. My liver cannot take a game seven. Jack Daniels has been consumed a lot in the last two ah, games. Yes, the Jack of the Daniels. The, yes, the Jack. I wish of- I could say the same, but I've been on this uh, tequila kick lately. Oh Lord, what kind? It's oh the Don Julio Reposado. Ooh. Shout out to Don Julio. We do have the sponsorship. Yes, the very Don- good, very good tequila. Better than Patron. I'm liking it more than Casamigos. It's- See, what we so this is a preview of the summer pod. We're going to just rank liquor. We could a shot of just, right now. I've been doing a shot of block. Beat almost had me going up after the block four. We listen, got the block any, four. Anytime, anytime the Sixers like they about to start letting me down, I start drinking. I questioned the fifth and B block because you know Robert Williams had gotten two blocks already. Tatum had a block. Jalen Brown somehow had gotten a block. I don't know where he got it from, but I had to look at the stat sheet. Like, oh, all, all these dudes are uh, block stat sheet stuffers today. It's a good game. Whereas on the other side, Chris, just moving on. Suns feet. I mean, Suns Nuggets. Worst game I've ever seen the Suns play. I thought it might have been worse than game one or possibly game two where they got roasted and toasted by the Nuggets. But last night was probably the worst I saw from the Phoenix Suns. Bruce Brown, 
Who would have thought KD's former teammate torched them with 25 points off the bench, 9 for 10 from the free throw line, in a game where if Jamal Murray's having such a stink fest, and Michael Porter Jr.'s hitting 4 for 5 from 3, but he still only has like 14 points, right? you have a chance to really win the basketball game, and you're letting Bruce Brown cook you up see, and down. See, the, the problem with Phoenix is they have 1-2 on offense, it. and that's it. Like if you whatever you gonna get from Aiton, whether it's you know a double double whatever, it's not enough. Nope. Aiton's not enough to carry the load offensively. So you need these other guys to step up. You need the Okobis, the Tory Craig's, the Ish Wainwrights, the Landry Shamits, the you know Cameron Payne's, these other guys to step up. And it's not necessarily their strong suit. It's not what they do. So Denver, who arguably has the best five in the NBA, yes. Has more depth than the than the Suns. The Suns are 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 six you know six guy six guy deep. You know what can Monty Williams do? Like you're relying on guys that, eh, you know they're eh. yeah, not, the, not that so man. so like these guys are, eh. and you know on the other side, Jared. I know you're not a, a, a huge fan of Michael Porter Jr., but he he's you know he's he's a three point specialist at this point. Don't. Don't ask him to do anything else, but shoot three. That's what he is. Jamal Murray, he gonna give you, he gonna give you twenty five one night and gonna give you twelve the next. But yep. you gotta hope that you catch him on a good night. And if you catch him on a good night and you catch Porter on a good night, and you know Jokic is gonna give you what Jokic is gonna give you. If those other guys are stepping up and you know are consistently making shots, hitting shots, hitting defense, you know playing defense. You got Jeff Green, you got Christian Brown, you 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 have these other guys. And we talk about that with the Sixers. We talk about that with the Celtics. We talk about that with any team. You need other guys other than your main stars to step up. And Phoenix got that, the one win with Landry Shaman. They have not gotten it any other time, and they have, they have been struggling every other time. You cannot ask Booker and Durant to score you 75 points every game. Like, it's not happening. I don't care how it's great they are. If you're, playing, if you're playing two on five on offense, you're not – like you're, yeah. You, these guys are Hall of Fame level talents, but come on, man! Like you're not going to win games like that consistently. It's not. It's not feasible. It's just the fact that at this point, you you see what's coming from the Phoenix Suns, where it's literally they're watching Devin Booker be double teamed. Katie, at this point, I don't know what's going on. He can't shoot to save his life. And I think this is one of the worst shooting series I've ever seen Kevin Durant have. Maybe it's just the wingspan and the different switches that he's getting. But 0 for 3 from 3 line the last game. He was, what, 2 for 7 the game before that. 0 for 7 one game. It, it, it's, it's been horrendously bad for KD from the 3. And this is somebody that we thought was like, what, we, we was calling him a lethal shooter, a sniper. He's just having an off series. It might just be just the fact that he's just trying to get acclimated to everything that's going on with this team and how they lost Chris Paul. That rotation is just abysmally bad. Aiton looks checked out. I think Aiton's going at the end of the season. I can't fact check it. I can't really quote it yet, but it isn't like Aiton will be going at the end of the season. Phoenix Suns did what most teams have to do when uh, players offered a max deal and then they can match it. They matched it instead of just letting him walk because they were going to let him walk for nothing. Now they have a potential chance to get something back in value for him now that they have Kevin Durant as well. But at this point, Aiton just looks like a guy that's just not there. Mentally, you know, the, the dog's not in him. He has some buckets in here and there, but they're just 
little hook shots or mid range. Like he's just underutilized without Chris Paul there as well. So you you really just don't know where this team can go, especially knowing that they're playing a slightly younger Nuggets team. Jokic is so hard to guard that Aiton's already having such a pitfall of a time there where he's in hell every night having to guard Jokic because you don't know if he's going to be making a miraculous pass, beautiful pass in the, in the transition. You don't know if he's going to score on you because he gets to a spot so easily. He can shoot the three ball as well. He has a midi. He has a post game. You don't know if he's going to be crashing. Boys are like, he's really he's, in hell every night. He's very versatile. Like, unfortunately, this is the worst matchup for the Phoenix Suns with the Nuggets because if you were the Suns, you'd much rather play the Lakers and Clippers rather than play Phoenix because of the fact is Aiton just has a, it would have an easier time matching up with AD who takes nights off from time to time where he'll have one great game and another game he's kind of mediocre. Whereas the Joker, even if he's having a mediocre offensive game, what he does everywhere else on the court defense aside, but it's not really the defense, but it's, I'm talking about the rebounding and the assist still forces a big to have to still play him as if you think he's going to try and get a bucket on you every time because you just don't know what's coming. So the Suns, I think, are out. They're, I think there are a lot of people's finals team. They were my finals team. I was thinking it was going to be a Sixers-Suns finals. That's looking like it's going to be a no-go unless the Suns pull out a win. And now this will be game six for them. But I think the other two series, I would have said, Chris, the Knicks in – Heat series is over, but he's thinking up the joint. So I think the Lakers and Warriors series is the only series that's over after tonight. I'm gonna be honest with you, completely honest. That's the only series. So that's tell me, over. so talk to me about why you think that because we know what the other, you know, we know who those guys are that are down three games to one. We know who they are. They're they're the defending champions. So why do you think that this series ends tonight? When I when you look at this, the way the Lakers won their last game. I again, you, you see Jeremy on this pod, you hear the pressers talking about some Lonnie Walker beat us and you have to live with that. Yeah, that's true. But the fact of the matter is, Lonnie Walker beat y'all eight, and LeBron was still having a 27 8 and 6 game. AD was having a solid game. Lonnie Walker just did what the bench unit was like, the, the, without D'Lo or Austin Reeves was supposed to do. He, Lonnie came in, see his first playoff series, and he was giving y'all the business. And there's no retaliation back. Like, the Warriors just don't have the death that the Lakers seem to have this going into this playoffs because the Lakers made the right trades and the right moves, and the Warriors basically traded a Wiseman to get Gary Payton back. And Gary Payton's okay, but he's not all that great. Poole's playing so poorly this playoffs, and this is the entire playoffs. He's been playing so poorly, he's actually unplayable at this point. Unless he turns around tonight, where I, I don't know, I, I, I can't even tell you, oh, I expect a big game from him because I expected a big game from the last two games where he played so poorly. But he, he's just been, after game one versus the Lakers, he's been abysmally downhill. So unless Poole turns it around, I, I know Clay will probably bounce back because Clay's going to take his shots. He's going to shoot up them. He's he, he's a chucker. He's going to chuck them threes. He's going to pull his shots. It's either cash money shot or they're just going to be bricks. Steph's going to be Steph. Draymond's going to be Draymond. But they've already benched Looney, Chris, because of the mismatch that Looney has against Anthony Davis. Can't really do much else after that. Draymond's going to have to do his thing in AD, either going to eat or not eat. The Warriors are spread thin trying to hold guard. D'Angelo Russell can go off for any game. LeBron James still doing LeBron James things. If Poole and Wiggins are having such a like a hard time, which this is the team that was supposed to – these are the two guys, right, that was supposed to like – I guess you got Gary Payton too. That these three guys are supposed to bridge the generational gap between the big three Warriors, which was Steph, Clay, Dre, 
You know, you had a pool wigs loony. I think that's what the pool wigs loony, right? Right now, you're getting a lot of you're getting your best production from Looney, but Wiggins and Pool Wiggins hasn't played basketball for entirely a six months, so you get the on and off streaks. He's looking right. like he's not conditioned at all. Like he he's building his condition up while still playing, so it takes him a little while to get into the flow of the game. Right. But Pool has no excuse. Only excuse you can give Pool is that the cohesion just hasn't been there from day one. That. He's still lingering from the Draymond Green issues. That's never really going to die down or go away. You've kind of seen it right. in tidbits throughout the season as well. Right. I think the so, idea. I, I think you're right on with that. I think there's some issues with Golden State, but I think it's more. I think it's more than just Poole and Draymond not getting along, or Poole and Draymond not seeing. Eye to eye. I think it just at certain points teams hit walls, and yep. I think that Golden State has hit a wall. They they've won four titles together. They have, you know, depending on who you ask, they've changed the game of how basketball is played, you know, going super small. They remember had the death line with Iguodala running the five or running the four with Draymond at the five. They've had much success, but at a certain point, teams just, it just, you hit that, you hit that run and you hit that, that button where, okay, it's time to reinvigorate ourselves. Like I think Draymond, I think Draymond is done in Golden State. When your production, when when you're a problem, quote unquote, a problem, when you're a distraction, when you're that, when you have so much attention on you, right, for the things that you do on the court that may be outside the lines of the game, quote unquote, like stepping on guys and getting texts and arguing and all this other nonsense. When you're not worth it as a player, teams get rid of you. And I think at a certain point, Golden State has to realize, like, okay, are we that much better with or without Draymond? Especially if he's asking for a lot of money, especially if he is asking for his demands. And that whether or not you think he deserves them or not is a different conversation. But if you're Golden State, do you get it? If you're Golden State, do you really want him? If you're Golden State, like, where do we go from here? Because we're getting killed on the boards if it's not Looney grabbing everything. Looney can't keep up with AD. Looney can't keep up with MB. Looney can't keep up with Jokic. Looney can't keep up with these with these more athletic bigs. Like I'm not saying Looney is a slouch, and I'm not saying that, but Looney is going to get beat on that first step. That's just he's just, he's a solid big, but he's not those guys. Like those guys are a step of, ahead of them, which is why I I was so in favor of the Warriors taking Wiseman because I thought Wiseman could give something, give them something that those other teams get from their other athletic bigs. If I was Golden State, a guy, an archetype guy that I would look after is like Nick Claxton from the Nets because they for the need Warriors? that. For, for if I'm the Warriors, I want a big like that. Someone oh. who I can, I can put in the paint, he can grab boards, but he can also stay with those other more athletic bigs step for step. And then you can bring him out on pick and rolls with Steph and, and Clay, and he can pick and he can you get the roll to the basket and throw a little oop, or he can get the offensive board or whatever. But you need a more versatile, athletic big. And Draymond, I mean, unless he becomes six foot ten, is not that guy anymore. Like he is, he is very valuable in his role, but he was more valuable in his role five years ago. I think right now for me, just to go, just talking about this game singularly. If Steve Kerr wants to have his Kodak moment, right, to to win this them this game, 
and help them really take a another, at least keep them afloat in the series. The player that he needs to play now is going to be Jonathan Kaminga. I think he needs to throw Kaminga in, just like a Doc Rivers threw Daniel House in. He needs to throw Jonathan Kaminga in because right now, Claxton, yeah, would be a great person. I think Draymond's off the team after the end of the season anyway because they have to make a choice between Poole and Draymond. But just going into the series, I thought Kaminga was going to see more minutes. He has. I think Kaminga needs to see the minutes tonight at least because it helps with his versatility. This guy's six seven with a seven foot wingspan. If Looney gets in foul trouble, Draymond's in foul trouble, he still can sub in. He can guard on LeBron. He can guard an AD a little bit. It's not, I'm not saying, oh, he's going to do that all fantastically, but if we're talking about a guy that has similarity traits to a Draymond Green that still is defensively good and he's younger, Kaminga's that guy. Now, does the offense slow down a little bit? Yeah, because he's not. he doesn't have the accuracy and vision yet that like Draymond has when it comes to seeing how the offense is flowing within the team of the Warriors, Because, but that's because Draymond's done it for so long, but... I still think when you look at like just bringing a fresh face in and just going into your rotation a little bit, that's going to help kind of spark plug you. I'd rather see Kuminga going right now in this particular game than I will see a Jordan Poole because I'm not – I know if you're playing Moody and Kuminga, these are fresh faces that maybe can give you something, right? At this point, it, it, I, I think I'm I'm out on saying Poole's going to get it going because right now just the Warriors, the Warriors – are trying to do that, right? They're trying to get Poole going, and the Lakers are feeding off that, and they're capitalizing on it because if Poole's not going, Poole's not a traditional point guard, so he's not really kicking out and getting assists. So they're letting Poole try to do his thing, and now you have to sit him because he's becoming a defensive liability. So I think Kuminga's a perfect fit right now to really just bring in somebody to play. I think, Chris, this shakeup for this NBA, this offseason is going to be, we're going to see a lot of trades that we, would, we, we already expect some and some we're not going to be able to expect. Like, I already know there's going to be at least four marquee guys that are getting traded. Draymond's one of those guys included. I believe. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I know we're going to wrap it up. So let's talk about Miami, New York real quick. Do you have any thoughts on trash. that? Trash. All right. Miami's yeah. trash. Garbage. Boy, man, Nick, why are you letting the Knicks hang around, man? I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this Knicks propaganda. I'm sick of the Knicks fan, like New York fans in general. I know they talk about Sixers or Phillies fans, but New York fandom is like the worst fandom to have because it's just delusional. And just the fact that they think that they are grander than now and they're in the same boat as almost everyone else, but worse because they 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 bloviated their team and they suck so bad. Like Knicks fans are up there with Cowboys fans when it comes to your team has done nothing. Yes. We have added, not we not have New added, York, just no, no, Knicks no. fans. We have added New York to the Jared hate list. No, 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 because I like New York City. Okay, all right, let me amend this. New I just York, don't like New York Knicks fi- fans. Let's put Knicks fans. The Giants fans I'm okay with. They're shaky, York, but I'm okay with. New York Knicks fans. fans. Yeah, because I don't even hate the team. Like, I think the team had a real shot this series, and they just kind of squandered it. Yeah, New York Knicks fans killed me. Like, have you not seen the Coney Island stuff, Chris? Have you not seen the... Jimmy Butler stuff. Like, Sorry, I've, I've been too deep in the anti-Boston propaganda. Dude, the Twitter, like, I, when I see New York Knicks fans, I just think this can't be real life. I enjoy it. I think it's hilarious. I think I, I do enjoy the, the how much they ride for their team. I just think it's Dallas Cowboys. That's when your team hasn't won anything in years, like, or ever. Where you, you act like this is a championship organization. We're talking about poverty. Knicks in that conversation as well. We're talking about unseared franchises with the Sixers. The Knicks are at the top of the list. It used to be the Kings Knicks. Now it's just the Knicks. So it's like, 
What do we do? Like, let's pump the brakes. I think they're having a good game tonight. But if they go back again, you you have to win these games at home, right? Because like these the games at your house are the most crucial because you have your fan base around you, and mm-hmm. you you, you kind of you know the court, you know the environment, you know the atmosphere. You have to win these games. They have a big lead against the Heat now. Who knows how the fourth quarter is going to go? But if they win this game, they have a real shot of tying the series at three three. But I think if they go back, but that's just Nick's belief. If you're really a basketball fan, you see this game. The Knicks have played out of their mind. Like Jalen Brunson is almost going to probably end up with 42 or 44 at the end of the night. I don't think he goes to Miami and does that. I'm a huge Brunson fan. I like, I'm like i Villanova, but I don't see them, them, them repeating the success that they're having tonight because this is one of those do-or-die games. What happens most of the time after do-or-die games, teams stall out. It just becomes a, a, kind of, a, a common misconception that they can keep the momentum going. It doesn't really end up like that, which is why – me and Chris and I are both saying we really need the Sixers to kind of just know what, lock it in, because it's, it's a very hard thing to win two momentum games. It's very hard to do. I agree. So, Jared, let's – let's because I, I agree with you on the Knicks Heat thing. I think the Heat got it, but it's going to be very interesting to see if the Knicks hang around. Like, they look like they have a good-sized league in game five right now. So, if they make it a 3-2 game, can they win a game – can they win a game in Miami in six and push it back to seven? Maybe. Um, we'll see. But, Jared, talk to me. You, you brought up a good point real quick before we wrap it up. Of the four marquee guys that you think are going to end up getting traded in this offseason in the NBA, I think I know the name of one of those guys. Okay. You, you, mentioned, you mentioned Draymond. So, Draymond will yeah. be one. Mm-hmm. One, of, one of my guesses, I believe, is Jalen Brown. Yes. Okay, so that's, that's two. That's number three. That's, that's number two. three for your list. That's so who who is who is number two and who is number four? Aiden is two. I think Aiden's I think Aiden's getting traded. Unless, unless okay. barring anything else that I've seen, body language aside is telling me that the Suns, yes, they kept him. Anybody can yell at me and say, yo, they just gave him the bag, but they didn't want to give him that money. The Pacers wanted to give him the money because I still think Halliburton and him would have been a great duo. No offense to Miles Turner, but they'd been a great duo, and he would have been happier there. The Suns only gave him that money because they had to, because they would have lost him without it, and because they couldn't get that signing trade situation going with Miles Turner and Aiden. They just couldn't get that situation. I think Aiden's gone. And then fourth player that I think is potentially on the trade list, and most most people will say you're you're, you're confused, but I think Pascal Siakam's gone. I think Pascal Siakam might be the one that gets traded from the Raptors. We're not. I'm not. I'm not saying, oh, that's because I think that the Raptors are really like, oh, blowing up. We heard the rumors about J.J. Wright. We'll probably talk about that another time when more information drops. But if you're looking at this Raptors team going forward, OG, Fred, Siakam, uh, Scotty Barnes, right? If you had to say which name has the most allure and value to it, it's, it's Pascal Siakam. Who do I think would also want to go and play somewhere we can go win a championship? It's Pascal Siakam, who actually like that's the, this is a guy I think if he has a shot mm-hmm. of going somewhere that he can really win a chip, right. he will take that so extended door out. What's, what's a team that you think could use a Siakam? Because you don't really hear his name floated around as the trade bait in Toronto. You hear OG and Anobi, you hear maybe Scotty Barnes, you maybe hear Van Vliet. So, but you don't hear too much about Siakam. So, what's a team that you think Siakam could realistically get traded to and fits that criteria of like? a piece away from a championship. Because the first thing I have, I have a team name that jumped in my head when you mentioned it, that could possibly use a Siakam. And it's not a, 
it's not a team that you would expect. It's a team that it would it, this would require a lot of finagling and a lot of like you know a lot of really yeah, to happen. But I think give that me, go ahead. give me the Memphis Grizzlies. That's not the team I was thinking, but that's a very good choice. Give me the Memphis because I think you could play John at the five. I would consider playing Siakam at the four, and Siakam can still he has the handle in the bag to do his thing. I'm with it. I would just I would straight up just put Siakam and replace him, like take Dylan Brooks' spot and put Siakam there. You can you're, do that. You're already not bringing worst. Brooks back, and and I think Siakam is a capable defender and a much better offensive player. He's a two that you need for Ja. I don't think Jaren's ever going to be the two you really need, and Desmond Bain is a shooter. That's just my opinion at that. Desmond Bain's good. He can score, but. Yeah. He's not a two. See, Occam's a locked in two. He's a locked in two. He, 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 is, he is a great guy next to Ja. The team that I thought about when you mentioned Siakam was the Clippers. Ooh, I didn't even think of that. Because you don't know really what you're going to get from Kawhi. You don't know, you don't, you know, you the health of Paul George and Kawhi is a big thing. I know you have Westbrook, and I know you have all these other pieces, but the Clippers love their versatile pieces. And Siakam is a very versatile piece. You put him with Ty Lu on defense, and you run your offense. Let's say they're able to keep every everyone intact. I know it's not possible, but let's say you're able to keep these guys, and you have PG and Siakam and Kawhi and, and Westbrook and Zoo. You're not beating that team. You're not beating that team. That team is a very good team. The problem with the Clippers is injuries, health get them every year. The one year Kawhi was healthy, he won a title. The one year that Paul George was healthy, they you know they made some noise in the playoffs. If they're not healthy, they're not going to win anything. And that was, you know, they, for all intents and purposes, should have beat Phoenix. If they were healthy, they would have beat Phoenix. So I, I just I just think that you have to be on the lookout for – if Siakam's a good piece, but I think you have to kind of see where things are, are going to shake out. But I think those are two excellent teams, and I think Memphis is an excellent choice. So, Jared, before we wrap anything up, is there anything else that we're going to talk about, mention, highlight, anything? No, nah, man. We we pretty much set, up, set it off for this episode. All right, well, make sure you archive this episode because if they, they being the Sixers, cause a heart attack tomorrow and not win game six, just throw out everything I said and just, you know, insert random, usual, generic hate speech right there. <laughs> so thank y'all for listening to another episode of Straight to the Point. If you like what you hear, please tell a friend and tell a friend to tune in. We're still a five-star rated podcast on iTunes, so if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. Thank you. Make sure you follow Straight to the Point on all your favorite socials. That's at STTP Podcast. Make sure you follow me at underscore Chris Cross. Follow me at underscore Jacob Hughes. Big things to come, big guests to come, man. We building a pod here. We building a franchise.